You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Hey, so this is totally random, but I've just noticed the date. And right now, it is the 15th of September in Australia, which means it's the 14th of September in North America. And this, my friends, is the day that I got on an airplane and flew from Canada to Australia, which is kind of crazy to think how many years ago that was. So many years I've totally lost track. I know it's more than 10, less than 20. Perfect. I can do math. Easy enough. But what an amazing moment to just decide to sell your house and get on an airplane and move to a country that you'd never been to before. Because it's the perfect experience of demonstrating what it's like to be human and the amazingness that is, hey, that sounds fun. Let's go all in and make it happen. But that is not the point of the podcast today. It is sort of in a weird roundabout way, kind of tangentially related to what I'm going to talk about, but barely like the diagram relating that story to the story and what I want to teach you today. It's a very faint line. But I wanted to actually start this podcast off because in other funny stories, I was cleaning up the podcast list yesterday and trying to figure out why some of the early podcast episodes aren't showing up on Apple, which I still haven't figured out. But it's fine. If anybody wants to go back and try and find those early episodes, flip on over to Spotify. You can find the podcast there and then you can scroll all the way back to the beginning. But I noticed in the list of podcast episodes recorded earlier this year, earlier in 2020, there's one that's called My Plans for 2020 and 2021. So if anybody's new to the podcast, I think that's going to be one of those like time capsule isn't that funny that Kathleen thinks she can make plans for a year and doesn't realize what's about to ensue. Because I think I recorded and posted that in February of 2020-ish, a few weeks before the zombies arrived, which I'm going to keep up there because I think it'll be very entertaining. It's a little bit like if anybody has watched like sports replays or frankly any television, any reality television, probably any television that was recorded before like mid-March 2020 and you see either lots of people gathered together or people standing really close and you're like, no, don't do that. (laughs) Our brains are now trained to know that that's not what we should be doing, which is crazy. But Here is a super fun fact, a slight adjustment, a slight change of plans for 2020 due to circumstances 
beyond our control. We had grand plans for what we were going to do in 2021. And we decided, hey, you know what? The zombies have arrived. COVID-19 has landed and obviously changed the landscape for many of us. But let's take advantage of this opportunity. So we decided a few weeks ago we were going to push our plans forward a few months, put the house on the market, sell this beautiful piece of real estate and see what happens. My friends, it's the definition of a feeding frenzy, which is totally understandable because this place is beautiful and because now everybody's working from home, the millions of people that live in Sydney all are realizing they don't want to be surrounded by concrete and noise or live in a random suburb and work from home, they're going to move to the Southern Highlands. So feeding frenzy, a global pandemic is the perfect time to sell your house, which I know is very counterintuitive, but I am happy to have benefited from this experience because I also think selling a house and the whole real estate market is the perfect example of this concept of value. And that is precisely what I wanted to talk to you about today. This notion of value, break it down, teach you what it's all about, and show you very specifically how it can help you build a totally different relationship to pricing and to money and to finances and all of my favorite things. Because here's what happens. You could walk into a house, an apartment, a townhouse, a piece of land, whatever, right? You could walk into the house, I could walk into the house, and we could be at complete odds as to whether the price that the people who are selling that house for is the appropriate value. Value, my friends, is a totally personal, totally subjective concept. It is completely up to each individual human whether there is enough value or whether the perceived value of an offer, a product, a service is appropriate to them. So when I teach value to my students, I teach it very simply. Value equals the perceived benefits divided by the price. So one of the really important things to keep in mind, and there's 900 important things to keep in mind, but I don't stress because I will summarize all of the things to keep in mind at the end of this podcast. But with your brain and your personal life experience, and most importantly, your personal preferences, what you see value in is totally different to what I see value in, to what your parents see value in, to what your sister sees value in, to what Oprah Winfrey sees value in, to what your best friend sees value in, to what any of the Kardashians see value in. Every single human gets to define for themselves what value is. And that concept, that very simple notion can change 
the game for you in terms of your own relationship to pricing. If we come back to my favorite topic and this whole notion of pricing, you no longer need to decide or give yourself the job of saying that's too expensive because that is not a decision you can make on behalf of your customers. You can't make that judgment call for the guy who phones up and says he wants a dozen roses on Valentine's Day. You can't make that decision for the couple who inquires, who says they're having a really small intimate wedding and they're only spending $20,000 on their wedding flowers. The notion and the concept of value is a very personal point of view. So you don't even need to worry about deciding if something is too expensive. It's not your job. You can just let that responsibility go. And instead, you can sit down, define for yourself the type of work you want to be creating, find yourself a reference photo, price it out, the price is the price. You don't need to decide. You don't need to add a layer of judgment to say, oh, that's too expensive. That, my friends, is for your customer to decide, which is amazing. And it's very relieving because it's not your decision to make. And I want to let you know that the concept of value applies whether the price tag is itty bitty or the price tag has multiple zeros at the end. Here's one of my favorite examples. At this moment in time, we drive a shitbox black SUV Nissan X-Trail from 20... 2006, maybe? Anyway, it has definitely seen better days. When it's going to be posted for sale, it's probably like... On a good day, if the winds are traveling in the right direction, like maybe $2,000, right? It's served its purpose. It's done amazing things, but not the point. The point is it's black. It has windshield wipers. All the indicators work. It has four doors. It has four wheels. It gets me from A to B safely. Totally been a reliable piece of machinery. We paid $12,000 for that piece of machinery. Amazing. There are people... And in actual fact, there are thousands of people distributed all around this beautiful world who would be like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to pay $12,000. I want to pay $150,000 for Fancy Pants Range Rover. Now, I am sure that the people who work at Range Rover have invested a huge amount of time, energy, expertise into the engineering. And I'm sure one day if I ever ride in a Range Rover, I'll be like, yeah, it's nice. I'm sure it's pleasant. But Kathleen's brain is never going to equate that $150,000 potential purchase as good value. On paper, right, my shitbox X-Trail, Range Rover has a lot of similar characteristics, right? It's four doors, it has seat belts and seats. 
It has a speedometer and an odometer and all the technology to make the things happen. It has indicators and windshield wipers and brake lights and hatchback and all of it, right? Perfect. I find my Shipbox X-Trail is good enough for me. It does what I want it to do. I am happy to not upgrade and spend $150,000 on a piece of metal that's going to get me from A to B and kind of do the same job. Now, I'm sure because the days of my X-Trail are coming very close to an end that I would probably feel a bit more comfortable in the Range Rover, but I am never going to pay $150,000 to buy one. You, my friends, it could very well be that that is one of your greatest aspirations and dreams, which is perfect because that is why Range Rover exists. They exist because there are people on this planet who see a tremendous amount of value in driving around in that particular vehicle. I am not one of them. So it doesn't matter if somebody tries to sell me a Range Rover, I'm just going to be like, no, thanks. No, thank you. I am not going to spend my money on that because I don't see value in it. You can take this concept and you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to the $150,000 Range Rover. You can also apply it to something as simple as a Big Mac meal at McDonald's. Also something I'm not going to purchase. I am not entirely sure, but I think at this moment in time in Australia, Big Mac meal is somewhere between like $10 and $15, right? You can check out the price wherever you are in the world and you can decide if that's good value for you or not. My friends, I would rather take my 10 to $15, go to the grocery store and buy myself some things. Yeah, some of them will be packaged, some will be fresh, some of it will be like in a container. It's totally up to me to decide. But I get to decide that that 10 to $15 is better spent and I see more value, more benefit, more usefulness, more utility from going to the grocery store and spending that $15 than I do going to McDonald's. You might appreciate the convenience the taste, the fact that it's one stop, maybe McDonald's is closer to your house than the grocery store, the fact that you don't need to go inside or leave your car, any of it, right? You get to decide if it's of value to you. Now, two other examples that I like to share. One, there is a tea brand called T2, started in Australia, does ship internationally. They create a black tea that is called Melbourne Breakfast. It's a spin on the traditional English breakfast. Hands down, my favorite tea on the planet. Now, I do pay upwards of like $30 for, it's probably like a few hundred grams of loose tea. There are going to be people, and it could be you listening to this podcast going, fuck, Kathleen's crazy to spend $30 on that tea when she could when she's out grocery shopping, buy Tetley's or whomever's, she could even buy the no-name brand, English breakfast tea that serves the same purpose. 
but I get so much more personal satisfaction and enjoyment, utility and benefits from that particular type of tea that I am willing to pay the $30 price tag. You see how this is all open to personal interpretation. Another beverage example, let's talk about wine. There is a wine brand, a vineyard out in the Barossa Valley, which makes some of the world's best Shiraz. It is called Barossa Inc. A bottle, one bottle of their Shiraz goes for $19.95. And yes, you can walk into the bottle shop. You could frankly walk into Aldi and you could pay half the price for a bottle of wine. But I choose every time, every single time, I choose to pay $20 for a single bottle of wine because I love it. And again, personal choice. Somebody standing next to me would be like, there's no way I'm going to pay that much. So this concept of value is totally personal. And what is amazing is you don't need to decide on behalf of your clients if the price associated with a specific design or the price associated with a specific offer is of value. That, my friends, is 100% up to your customer. Now, if we take like Valentine's Day as one of our all-time favorite examples, there is no way that any floral designer that I know would A, ask their partner, or B, pay themselves like $11 per red rose on Valentine's Day. But that is what a bunch of our customers do. And that is their decision to make. They could decide to spend the same amount of money and get two to three times more flowers on Valentine's Day, but they don't. And that is their decision to make. If they're really personally and emotionally attached to red roses and they're happy to pay the premium, they get to do that. Your customer is the only one who gets to decide what they see value in. It is not your job to decide on behalf of your customer if what you have to offer is of value. And it's not your job to arbitrarily change the prices to make a design appear more valuable. Instead, if we go back to my definition of what value is, you can literally write this out for yourself. Value equals perceived benefits divided by price. What is amazing is that in this industry, because we are passed on a very proven pricing model to allow us to make good money, then you know the price is the price is the price. You don't need to go in and change the price. You need to set the price and then you get to shift 
all of your focus and your energy and your marketing efforts and your sales and your customer service to educating your clients on the benefits and why you do what you do. Your entire job when it comes to sales and marketing is to find new ways, more effective ways to educate your clients on the benefits of the service that you offer. You don't need to touch the price. The price can just sit over there. Instead, if you think about this equation and this definition of value, the more you educate your clients on the benefits, the more value your clients will see. The price is a given. You don't need to go in there and provide discounts. You don't need to go in there and decide, oh, I'm new. I should just not charge in line with the industry standard. You don't need to go in there and say, oh, well, it's really competitive in my city. So therefore, I'm going to try and just undercut everybody else a little bit more. You don't have to give yourself that responsibility. Instead, you can totally shift your perspective and go, your job is not to touch the price. Your job is to begin to find better ways to educate your clients on the benefits of the service you provide. And this might feel like a very subtle shift of language, but this is really, really helpful. Remember, your customers have no concept of where flowers come from, of what needs to happen in terms of preparation and product management for them to get the bouquet that they are looking for. They have zero concept of the supply chain of flowers, very little, if any, awareness of seasonality and certainly no concept of the ins and outs of supply and demand. Your customers do not know what happens behind the scenes. All they see is a picture of a bouquet. It is your job as a floral designer and a business owner to start to educate and inform and share with your clients all of the process and the service that goes on behind the scenes. It is your job to educate your clients on the benefits of the service that you offer. You even need to start to shift your language to reinforce the fact that you are a service provider. Floral design is a service. If Floral design was a product-based business, which is what most of our customers assume, then in actual fact, you could have a line of trained monkeys in the back of your studio, or you could have a vending machine where you just go beep, 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 boop, and the bouquet, the ceiling installation, the casket cover, the wreath magically just comes popping out of some black hole. 
which I kind of envision one day will happen when we all have 3D printers. And it's like, yes, that is no problem. Let me whip you up a dozen red roses. It'll take me 47 seconds. I don't know if that's how long a 3D printer makes takes to make something, but the concept, you understand what I'm saying. So easy for us to get frustrated at the fact that our customers think flowers come from a machine. My friends, you only have yourself to blame if that is what your customers believe. And if a customer comes into the shop and walks out of the shop still believing that, you and your staff have not done your job. It is your responsibility as a floral designer and a business owner to do everything in your power and to use all of your customer touch points to proactively educate your clients on the ins and outs of the service that you provide. One of my students did this very simple exercise on Instagram stories a few months ago, and it's still, I think, one of the perfect examples of being able to tell you how little your customers know about floral design and the service we provide. Vicky did a little call out on Instagram stories to her followers and said, hey friends, quick question for you, curious to know, how many steps do you think it takes from the moment that our wholesale delivery arrives in our shop to actually getting those flowers out on display and ready to go into customer orders? Every one of her followers said zero. Zero. Nada. It takes zero steps to get from the wholesaler, process, prepped, and on display in the shop. That, my friends, is a perfect snapshot of how little our customers know about flowers and floral design which is amazing. Like talk about an amazing opportunity because if you take my lead and you decide to buck the trends and you go out on Instagram and anytime a customer asks, anytime a customer calls, anytime a customer walks in with any email that you receive from a prospective paying customer and they ask you a question about how to do something, how to create something for yourself and you share all of the information that you know about floral design, hands down easiest way to demonstrate your expertise, win your customers over, show your know-how, and inform your clients about the service that you provide. One of my perfect examples of this is a few years ago, I remember beautiful lady walked into the shop and she said, oh, hey, I have a question for you. And I said, yeah, how can I help? because I'm here to help. And she said, I want to do the archway at my daughter's wedding. And I said, that is no problem. Her first question was, do you guys sell those Oasis things that I need to do on the archway? And I said, of course we do. And she's like, okay, so how many do you think I need? And I said, oh, well, have you got a reference photo? And then I proceeded to tell her all of the things that she needed to know to make that archway happen, including you need to make sure that you start approximately 90 minutes before the ceremony. You need to make sure that you have time and you can clean up so that it's not a complete mess and a pigsty approximately 30 minutes before the ceremony starts. Oh, you were planning on getting dressed and getting your hair done? Oh, does that timing not work for you? 
that's no problem. Of course, we'll do the archway for you. My friends, this is how simple it is. Start educating, sharing your know-how, and informing your clients on all of the things that you do as a floral designer. When you go to the market, when you visit the wholesaler, when you talk to your growers, when you're planning out your market orders, when you're putting your recipes and ingredients together, when you're processing your product, when you're babysitting your product, when you're crafting your designs, how you pack your delivery van, how you actually care for your florals, how you actually finish a bridal bouquet, how you actually go about designing what you do. Every single step that it takes to make that seemingly simple bouquet happen. Start talking using Instagram and your website. And frankly, anytime anybody ever asks, if they walk into the studio, if you talk to them on the phone, do not be shy about sharing your know-how and explaining the process. Because right now, your customers assume flowers come from a machine you have an amazing opportunity in front of you to start to demonstrate your expertise and share your know-how so that your customers are more informed. When your customers know that you wake up at 3.30 on a Wednesday morning or that you just spent four hours planning out a market order or that it takes you 12 hours to put all of these I don't even know what's together. Start to use that, tell those stories. This is how you can very quickly begin to change the value equation with your customers. So instead of assuming you need to change the price, the price is a given. That is not a thing that you need to touch. Instead, your job is to proactively educate and inform your clients to increase the perceived benefit of what it is that you are creating. This is so incredibly powerful because no longer do you need to worry at all about how much you are charging. You just price in line with the industry standard. That's a given. Now, you put all of your energy and efforts into increasing the perceived benefits to then have an impact on your client's perception of the value of the service that you provide. You don't need to be changing the prices. Instead, you need to be putting more energy and effort into all of your sales and marketing. You need to put more energy and effort into finding ways to educate and inform your clients. And you need to put more effort into showing all of the steps it takes to make any single floral design happen. It doesn't matter whether it's a $25 gerber bouquet, a $400 front-facing designer's choice arrangement, a $20,000 flower wall, or a $150,000 wedding. The principle is exactly the same. Your job 
is not to judge whether your client can pay that much. Your job is not to play around with the pricing model. Your number one job is to educate your clients on the value of the service that you provide. And you do that by demonstrating your expertise, educating them on every single step it takes to make that design happen, and then repeating yourself a lot. Because remember, right now, our clients assume flowers come from a machine. They assume peonies are available 365 days a year. And they think, oh, well, she just gets the flowers in and there's zero steps involved to prepping, processing any of these ingredients before we can even put them out on display. It is your job to increase the perceived benefits of the service you provide. And there are going to be times where you think, oh my God, this is so obvious. Don't my customers know? They have no idea. So don't assume that they do. It is so easy in this industry to educate your clients on the benefits because none of the other floral designers on the planet are doing it. So you going out there and talking about every step in your floral design process is exactly what you need to do. Because right now, if our clients assume flowers come from a machine and then all of a sudden they hear you talk about putting in market orders, driving 101 kilometers there and 101 kilometers back and actually thinking through and planning out ingredients and building a relationship with your wholesalers and then coming back and processing your product and then prepping your product and then babysitting your product and then dividing your product and planning out your product. Oh my God, we haven't even actually made a thing yet. (laughs) It's exhausting even just to talk about though, isn't it? But your clients have no concept because for hundreds of years, This industry has done a fucking phenomenal job of keeping everything behind closed doors. So don't blame your customers for not knowing. Instead, take full responsibility for the opportunity that you have at hand and try out every possible idea that you can think of to help you educate and show your clients what's involved. It doesn't need to be sexy. It doesn't need to be glamorous. It just needs to be informative. One of my all-time favorite ways to do this is embracing all of the features of Instagram. So the days that you go to the market, that you get deliveries in from your wholesaler, that you're processing product, that you're babysitting product, that you're setting up the shop, that you're sweeping the floor and cleaning the buckets, planning your ingredients and putting proposals together, all of those individual steps that seemingly feel really unsexy, but that you can either do a time lapse of, or you can take a very quick photograph of, post on Instagram stories and write a little caption that says, this is what we're doing, helps contribute to educating your clients on the perceived benefit of the service that you provide. I like to think of it like the thousand piece puzzle. Just keep going out there, adding another piece of the puzzle to the story. Doesn't need to be perfect. 
It doesn't need to be sexy. Nobody's asking you to make this the feature image on your homepage. Nobody's asking you to say, oh, hey, can you send me one picture that you feel represents everything you've ever wanted your flower business to be? Uh Uh-uh. This is like a collection of 1,000 little still images, a handful of time lapses, you writing a few little captions to start to educate your customers on the steps that you go through. It is so easy in this industry to increase the perceived value of the service that you provide because every other floral designer out there is not educating their clients. They're not sharing their know-how and they're not using the power of Instagram or the power of their website to demonstrate their expertise. But my friends, take my advice. You will make more money the more helpful you are. And you will make more money and attract higher value clients by finding new ways to educate your clients on the full spectrum of the service that you provide. You need to embrace the fact that it's your responsibility. And in my opinion, one of your greatest opportunities to begin to educate your clients on all of the steps involved that it takes to make floral design happen. They have no clue. So the next time you're talking to a bride, the next time you're talking to a couple that's doing an event or getting married or even having a micro wedding, the next time you're talking to a customer on the phone, the next time you get an email from somebody looking for a daily delivery, the next time anybody inquires, ask yourself, is there an opportunity to educate and inform my client and be as helpful as humanly possible? Because here's the thing. If your clients are sending you Pinterest boards with 957 photos on it, they truly believe they are doing the right thing. They truly believe that the way floral design works is I send you a photo, you start up the machine, the trained monkeys just make the magic happen and you deliver it when I want it delivered. They assume that because they don't know any different, because there are not enough floral designers on this beautiful planet educating clients and customers on what floral design is all about. But my friends, that makes it really easy for you because you could talk about any one itty bitty little aspect of the service that you provide. You will very quickly separate yourself from your competition because they are out there, A, not listening to this podcast, B, focused entirely on the wrong things, and C, allowing their customers to continue to believe that flowers come from a machine. Meanwhile, you can be over here going, hmm. I'm going to try this out today. I'm going to show up on Instagram stories and just take a few happy snaps of the mess that is on my desk that is planning ingredients, thinking about recipes, working through proposals, getting back to quotes, sorting through the 957 emails I have. All of that stuff that you feel is mundane and boring adds to the perceived benefits and therefore increases the value of the service that you provide your clients. So here's the big takeaway I want you to have today. If value equals 
benefits divided by price and the price is a given, your job is to educate and inform your clients of the benefits of the service that you provide. And it's way easier than you are imagining. Because all of that stuff that is either well-practiced or that you know is exactly the right process that you want to go through is everything that you get to talk about. And remember, one of my favorite things about this industry is that there's no one right way to do anything. So if you're anything like me and you have that little voice in the back of your head that's like, I don't know if I really want to show up and do this either time lapse or take a quick screen grab of you processing product or your workbench or whatever it is that you're doing because you're worried that another floral designer is going to come along and either A, criticize you or B, tell you that it's wrong because that was my fear. I will be the one to tell you A, all humans are so wrapped up in their own bubble that they're just not going to come in and do that. It just doesn't happen. People aren't going to comment and be like, oh, that's not how I process my stock. Oh, I don't scald it. Oh, I don't do this. And if they do, who cares, right? We used to have so many discussions and actually ran so many scientific experiments in the shop because when the girls were going through some of their certification, they'd come back from class and be like, okay, so this is how our instructor just taught us how to do this. And I was like, sure, let's try it out. Let's see which one lasts better. Let's see how this goes. Let's do it for ourselves because you can learn so much stuff. You can learn so many amazing things in terms of how to process product, how to take care of it. But if you don't try it out for yourself, if it doesn't work for you, it's irrelevant. I have my own point of view on whether flower food is required because we tried it out and I went, eh, it doesn't really seem to make a difference. And if I'm going to be changing the water every day, then that's a lot of flower food and unnecessary expense to go through. So Kathleen said for me and my design world for the floral design service that I'm going to offer my customers, not necessary because I, instead of saying flower food is worth it, I'm going to educate my clients to say, you know what, you're way better off changing the water every day or at a bare minimum every second day. And in particular, for those of you who live in places that get really warm, you also need to remind your clients to actually put more water in the container. <laughs> I know, right? It makes you laugh, but it's true because they don't realize, right? You'll have customers who don't realize that flowers even need to be in water, you know, if at all possible. Like those customers, this is a totally stereotypical thing to say, but the men who would come in on Mother's Day and or Valentine's Day and they pick it up the day before because they wanted to give it to their wife or their partner early on on the day and they'd say, oh, so do I need to keep this in water overnight? <laughs> it makes me laugh, right? But then I'm just realized, oh, what a great reminder in terms of how little our customers actually know. Okay. Now, the key takeaways I want you to take away from today are one, value equals benefit 
divided by price. It's not your job to change the price. It's your job to educate your clients on the perceived benefits. You no longer need to attach your self-worth or your perceived lack of self-worth to the price. The price needs to be set in line with the industry standard pricing model. Amazing. Pull out your calculator, pull out your spreadsheet, find your reference photo, price it out. Thanks for coming. Perfect. The price is the price. You don't need to decide if that is expensive or inexpensive because your point of view on whether it's expensive or inexpensive is irrelevant. Instead, you need to shift your focus. You need to put your energy and efforts into finding ways to communicate to your clients the benefit of the service that you provide. So at the end of the day, if we take value equals benefits divided by price, if you can increase and educate your clients on the perceived benefits of the service that you provide, then because we all know math, it's going to have an onflow effect of the increased perceived value for your customer. But remember, at the end of the day, only your customer can decide if it's of value to them. Only your customer can decide if they want to pay that price for that service. Your job is to give them as much information and as much know-how and educate them on the perceived benefits so that they can make the best decision for them. If we go back to that Range Rover example, right? Kathleen doesn't see enough benefits in the $150,000 price tag. You might, that's amazing. So great, because that is why that entire business exists. So perfect. Only your customer can decide for themselves if they see enough value to warrant the price. It's a very, very personal decision. You can't make that call for them. So you can relieve yourself of that responsibility. You can forego the need to have any sort of judgment as to whether it's expensive or not expensive. If somebody wants to pay $2,500 for a ceremony feature at their wedding, that's their decision to make. If they don't want to, that is also their decision to make. Your job is to educate your clients on the ins and outs of that service. Give them the information that they're looking for and allow them the space and the room to make the best decision for them. A couple of very specific actions that you can do in this instance. And this first one is one of my absolute favorites because it's so incredibly simple. If you are a business owner who struggles to see the perceived value on some of the things that you are selling, A, you can always decide not to sell that thing, right? That's me and flat lay foliage, right? I am not going to sell flat lay foliage because the only way Kathleen is ever gonna do flat lay foliage is with fancy Italian ruscus, which means it's gonna cost a bomb, 
And I cannot compel myself to sell that to my clients. Because I'll be like, no, 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 no. Instead of spending $3,000 on flat lay foliage, how about we spend $3,000 on flowers and beautiful things for the table? Such a better way to spend money, in my opinion. Of course, if my client is adamant and is like super happy to spend $3,000 on flat lay foliage, which usually they're not, but they could be, right? If they're like, no, 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 this is what I really want. I'm totally fine to pay $3,000, then we'll do it. But it hasn't happened yet. So remember, if you don't see value in something that you're selling and you cannot compel yourself to get enthusiastic about selling it, I will give you permission. You don't have to sell it. But you do need to find a better recommendation, something that you can get yourself excited about to solve your customer's problem. Now, let's get back to the point. If you are hesitating and want to find a really simple, easy way to start to educate your clients on the benefit of the service that you provide, I want you to take your simplest design solution. It might be a buttonhole or flower crown or a bridal bouquet or a collection of bud vases, or it might be a gerber bouquet or a $100 arrangement. Whatever you decide, pick one of your products. Map out for yourself every single step that you or somebody on your team needs to go through to make that one design happen. This is so helpful to do when it comes to some of your seemingly simple items or designs that you sell. You could even do this with like a potted orchid. You could do it with something like candles, gift cards, right? There is effort and energy and steps that you need to go through in order to source that material. Like how did you even find those designers? Then you actually need to get them into your shop. You need to display them. You need to package them. You need to deliver them. There's like six or seven steps, even in something that you can just take out of somebody else's box and put on the shelf. So all of those steps it takes to actually source those products is of value. Do not dismiss every step that you need to go through in order to be able to create some of these designs, in order to be able to sell some of these solutions. If you took you know, a very simple $30 gerber bouquet and you actually mapped out for yourself every single step it takes to make that bouquet happen, to deliver it to somebody's front door, there's like 25 things that need to happen. Literally grab a pen and a piece of paper and write it out for yourself. Get every single step out of your head and onto paper so that your brain can look at that process and understand the volume of work required, even for the simplest design that you offer. Whatever the simplest design is that you offer, literally backtrack. How do you order your product? Where do you get your product from? What do you do for processing and for prepping that product? How do you even prep your sundries and your hard goods? At what point and how long does it take to even craft something? How did you even learn to pick those ingredients and put them together? How did you even learn that that mechanic actually worked? What did you do in terms of flower care? What did you do in terms of like making sure that this thing gets delivered on time and in one piece and still looking as good as when you made it? 
what did you do in terms of actually writing those cards and sourcing those cards? And where did that pen even come from? Like none of this shit magically appears out of thin air. This exercise of writing down every single step it takes to make your simplest design happen is so helpful. It's so helpful for you to sell yourself and sell your brain on how many steps it takes and are involved in any floral design service. But then you can also use that list that you've created for yourself and start to use it as inspiration for how you can start to educate your clients on the process that is involved in floral design. And remember, that is your job. Your job is not to influence the price. Your job is to find new ways and helpful ways to educate your clients on the service that you provide. And be relentless about it. It is not enough to show up on Instagram once and say, oh, well, I talked about that once. You could literally talk about your process every day, all day, seven days a week, and still barely scratch the surface. So if you are ever in doubt and looking for inspiration as to what to talk about on Instagram, always remember you can come back to talking about the full spectrum of the service that you provide. Because right now, your customers assume peonies are available 365 days a year. And right now, your customers assume flowers come from a machine. Start there and shift your focus to begin to open up the discussion and educate your clients on the full service of what you provide. Friends, this exercise has been so helpful for me and for my students to really begin to disconnect themselves from the prices and what they are charging. Because instead of assuming that price is the lever that you need to change or that charging differently to the industry standard pricing model is how you need to go about getting more clients. No, ma'am. Instead, your job is to fix your marketing. Your job is to become an industry expert and to showcase that expertise. And it doesn't need to be the world's greatest gift to education and information. Remember, your clients have no idea. Begin to get into the habit of educating your clients on the service that you provide. Get into the habit of showing up on Instagram, posting on Instagram, using your Instagram stories as the perfect opportunity to experiment and trial out different ways of telling your story and educating your clients on the service that you provide. And it will change the game. And my friends... This concept of value is just one of the ideas that I talk through in great detail with my one-on-one -on -one students. And if you want to learn more goodness like this, then put your application in to sign up for my one-on-one -on -one business coaching program. And I will teach you all of the business things. I will teach you all about marketing and sales and pricing and branding You'll get access to my Instagram masterclass and my website masterclass so that you can just put it all into action. But I think even better than that is that my one-on-one -on -one business coaching program includes eight weeks of one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. And that 
eight weeks of one-on-one coaching is where you get to level up your game. We go into all the mindset things. We start to understand the default thought patterns that your brain offers up. And we begin to just get really curious and understand what is actually holding you back. And my friends, if you are a floral designer who wants to make more money, get more confident in how they run their business and get total clarity of how they can attract better clients so that you can build a business that you love and make good money, then put your application in to sign up for my one-on-one program. And my friends, it's been an absolute pleasure to share this concept with you this week. I will be back with more goodness, more mind-expanding thought work. And as always, if you have any questions, reach out to me on Instagram, send me a DM, and let's do this thing. And have the most beautiful week. I will talk to you again next week. Take care of yourself. Bye for now.